0: you start a new trend. So, let's see if we can catch up on us first. Last week in a semi it was like a sort of a last minute departure from what I had planned to talk about, what we really sort of talked about was vihi no as in um vihi it will be like that that is in fact God's vihi ratzon. it will be God's will. That's what it actually is with certainty and God's will is the, that that which he creates should be Tov and Kayam. It should be good and it should be lasting. It should be the way he wants it to be. Everything was created so that it will end up being as he wishes it to be eventually. And it should be Mil fanecha, from before you. So it seems to me that when we say from before God, which lifonov tends to seem to mean, I, I would not... Absolutely swear to this, I'll tell you right now. I try and only tell you that which I know to be true. This is one that I think is true is that the way that that seems to be used, at least in Filah, is representing a place, so to speak, because we're talking about a spiritual reality, before the Kisei HaKavod. So, you know, you see it in, you know, just to use examples in front of us, Asher Yotza, right? That something is before the Kisei ha-kavod. Before the Kisei HaKavod seems to be the place where God's will gets, turned, gets sent out into those four levels of the world, atzilos, bria, yitzira, asiya, and becomes something tangible and present in a time-based reality. Because God's will is eternal. So the fact that it's his will, it is always his will, right? But we don't necessarily sense it in our linear chronology of life, the way we live. Unless it comes mila from before him, and then works its way down into our reality. Okay? So what we're saying is we would like that your will, which is what is good and perfect, we only want God's will, right? I don't know where you're taking me, God, but I know it's somewhere good. We want God's will, but we would like his will, which is the ultimate and best good, to already be sensible to us now. That's what we're asking for in a And that was really what we talked about last time.
1: I'm sorry, could you
0: repeat it one more time? Yeah, we, we want, want God's will, will well, which, is, which is what is so we know the ultimate good. good. We know that's yeah. good. Right? We would like that to be fully sensible, by which I mean sensed. So we want to know it's good. We, we would like to be able to already have that living in our reality. We would like to live in that reality of God's will, right. which means a world that is right without sickness, without sin, without war, that is, you know, includes a base of mikdash, that includes everyone being able to be idealistic on the planet, right? Aiming toward, contributing toward the glory of God. We would like that will to already be something that we can see as present. We're still in this tunnel. So that, that will may be true out there, but we can't feel it. Because we are in a time tunnel, right? God put us in so that we live in the physical world in a line. We start in one place and we end somewhere else and it goes in a line and we can't see ahead of us. We can barely see behind us. <laughs> right? So we would like it to already be what we would call now. We want, we want it to be now. We, we want ever, Yeshua and it to be now. Could we ever see that as in a human nature, in our bodies? Like, is that something that... A sense, sense of showing? infinity? Of not being of, time-bound? Not, I don't think yeah. so. No. I'm trying to think if there's anything... The closest thing that I'm aware of that can give us... Uh, a flavor for it is teshuva. that's the closest thing i'm aware of is chuva and I, I mean the process of tefillah is to help us rise above it but i don't believe we ever fully rise above it probably as long as we're in a body i don't think we can we can fully rise above it so
1: we don't just want to feel it we want to feel it we'd like good. it to be actually want it to be created
0: good. now into the world yeah for we want it to we want for to the be good created now into the world in time bound world. Yeah, yeah, so that, like, now I have a base on dash now. Yes, right. it's all leading toward that, but from my point of view, it isn't that way now, even though God has actually set it all up so that it's all, that is how the process is building it, but I don't feel that. I don't see that, right? I would like it to see it good now and feel it good now, and in the case of this vihi ratzon to be good now. <laughs> right? I would like to be good. I would like to not sin. I would like to only do what's good. I would like okay, so that's this concept of Yehira it's in the future. And on the other hand, we want it to be from before you. That means being sent out from him and already tumbling its way down through this. Through this delivery, right? Like if you imagine like the cup tips over and the water spills out and now it's going to go to the first level and then drip through those holes to the next level. We would like that process to already start. That's what we're asking. Okay. And we said that this is the continuation of the previous bracha, thank, thanking Hashem for allowing us to witness the presence of Hashem in this world. That the kind of awake we're talking about is physical awakeness. We are glad to be awake, not to just still be sleeping. We're glad, as I think we, this was two weeks ago, right, that, um, that our being awake is worthwhile to him, right? That it shouldn't, it should, we, we wouldn't want to be the kind of people that it would be better if we just slept away the day and didn't cause trouble. We'd like to be productive contributors into the world. But also spiritually, we're grateful that at least for brief moments in time, as a nation and as individuals, we've been Zocha to have glimpses of the presence of Hashem in the world. I had one this week, you know. But we, we do have these moments where we're able to see that and we're grateful for that. And one of the things that this bracha expresses is, may I merit to reflect that back into the world through me, meaning the, that you've allowed me to see your presence and may it be that the actions that I perform by sticking to Torah and mitzvos and, and acting those out, that that will also make visible to other people God's glory in the world. We all know this is true, right? It sounds weird, like, oh, my actions are going to add to God's glory in the world, almost sounds like some other language. Like, what, what, how do we relate to that? But the truth is, there are people who do things for us. They do chesed for us, or they provide support for us when we're in a time of need. And what we see in that, we appreciate what they've done for us, right? It, you know, those moments, I mean, there are people who are there when we really need them. Not always. Sometimes we feel like there isn't someone there when we always need them. God saying, I need you to first lean only on me, and then I will send the messengers to help you, whatever, if it's people or, or money or medicine or healing, whatever it is. But when there's a, a person involved, and we see that they do for us, and they do it because of Torah, and they do it because of mitzvahs, and they do it because of love of, of other people and love of, of Hashem, then we feel two things at once. We feel so deeply grateful to the person who's helping us or teaching us or listening to us or providing. And we also feel deeply grateful to Hashem for sending them. We realize this is God's messenger, right? Person in pain and the nurse shows up with the medicine or the doctor with the epidural, whatever kind of pain you're dealing with, right? You're so grateful to them and you're so grateful to Hashem. We can feel that. We can recognize Hashem sent me an epidural. How did he send me? How did he send me pain relief?
1: It's like an angel walks into the room. There you go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Every time. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, but we are capable of recognizing that, right? And if it happened to be, right? If you're sitting there and you're waiting and they say, I'm sorry, he can't come, he can't come, he can't come. And somebody would walk in and with some kind of magical acupressure point, you know, and press on your elbow and you'd have pain relief. You would all, you, it's the same thing, meaning God can send it how he wishes to send it. Okay? I had one where I was waiting and we, and they say, no, we can't, we need the blood work. The baby was born in the meantime. I also had pain relief by that. You know, like that also did the trick. <laughs> Before the, okay, fine, you know. Whatever it is, Hashem has, God has many messengers and a lot more than we are aware of. And sometimes he acts on us in such a way that we don't see any natural path that he has provided it through, like the Makos and Mitzrayim, or splitting the Red Sea. right? But most of the time, we have what are called Nisim Nistarim, they're hidden miracles. What makes them hidden? What makes it hidden is that God sent it through the laws of nature. He just made those laws of nature. He manipulated them to work out so that you got exactly what you needed at the right time. And maybe 10 or 20 or 100 or 200,000 different things had to be lined up in order for you to get that. But any one of them is a natural part of nature. He didn't have to overturn his laws of nature for you. He used his laws of nature for you. Okay? God has many messengers. When we feel very grateful to be awakened for a short time from the slumber of humanity, from the living in this world and only seeing it as the physical world, and it to be aware that God is behind the scenes. He's not so hidden. He's a bit hidden, right? The word olam, world, is the same root as ne'lam, hidden, because the world is a kind of a mask. It kind of hides God's direct hand. But the only reason it hides it is because we're so accustomed to it. The laws of nature, because he created them to be constantly happening, we tend to think of them as expected. Really, it's God's hand. This is how he's doing things, right? What is that? Rav Rucham Levavitz, I think, who says, nature is the most constant expression of God's will. That's the definition of nature, the most constant expression of God's will, right? So when things happen in other ways, when things happen that are totally against nature, then it catches your attention. And you realize, oh, that was God's hand, right? But the truth is, nature is also God's hand. It's just as miraculous. It's just that it's more constant. And so we get used to it. Okay. <laughs> Reb Schwab gives, he, he compares it to a, um, something that happened to him when he first moved to America. He came to New York from Berlin, and he got on a streetcar, and he knew that it cost five cents to ride on the streetcar. So he gets on the streetcar and he sits down and he's got his nickel in his hand or whatever and he's waiting for the conductor to come around and collect it because that's how they do it in Berlin. Good morning. That's how they do it in Berlin. But it turned out that in New York City, you're supposed to drop it, you know, like like now on the bus. You're supposed to drop your money in and pay the driver when you get on. So he just got on and sat down, assuming somebody's going to come and collect the money from him. And the driver said, hey, you forgot to put your nickel in the box. And he didn't even... He didn't register that it was talking to him. Mm-hmm. You know, he, I don't know how good his English was, and whatever. He just like kept sitting there. Well, and, why would it be for him? Because he's whatever. Like, like he's to just come. like yeah. He's like you've read put your nickel in the box. Whatever. He's right. just sitting there, and finally somebody said to him like, "Hey, Mister. You know, you got to go up there and pay." He said, "It's not just that we see things or hear things. It's that we register that they are talking to us. Mm-hmm. That's part of that." Hashem, please like, wake me up, and thank you for waking me up. It's, it's not just hearing things, but hearing things in a way that we are awake to them, to what we're hearing, mm-hmm. what we're seeing, being alert to it. All right, so we, what we're dominating for is the awareness, but also that our actions should reflect that awareness, that we recognize mm-hmm. that God's revelation is talking to me, so that my actions are something different, and my desires are something different, And from that comes that my actions then become something that lets other people look in and see that there's a God in the world. Even if they don't see it through direct revelation, that they can see it through my actions. All right. And we talked about um, the idea that this is a choice. This bracha is expressing As in many brachos of this type, we're not going to go into this topic right now, but um, we're expressing both God's will and our own will, right? If what I want is to do God's will, if what I hope for is Hashem's will, right? I know there's things I want, but I don't know if they're what Hashem wants. So I only want whatever He wants. If what I want is what He wants, then my prayer is both at once, Okay. How do you know that? Like I said, it's not going to be our topic today. But if you ask me afterward, I'll try and remember which year it is in, and you could go here. We, do, we didn't do it in this, in this class. We did it in another class. Okay. But what I just said is actually simple logic. So if you walk back through it, you'll figure it out. Okay. So what we're saying is, Hashem, please, accustom me to the Torah and attach me to mitzvot and not let me sin. What I'm expressing is my will. I'm asking him for this. But what I'm asking for is his will. It should be his will. Right? Like, what I'm asking for is his will, and this is also my will. And making that choice at the beginning of the day, kind of concluding the brachos, that we're, we're concluding this part of the davening that is about recognizing the physical world is from Hashem and dedicating that which is in it back to him. That's what the bracha is about. I'm not sure all of us were here at the very beginning. That's what brachos are about.
1: you say that one more time? Yeah, the process,
0: the project, the process, the goal of, the, of brachos in general. in general throughout the day, but in particular the section of brachos in Shachris is living in this world, observing the physical in my body, in the world around me, Money, whatever tools and physical things are available to me and around me, being grateful for them, recognizing them, and dedicating them back to his service. That's brachos. Here I'm really doing that with myself, right? I'm kind of concluding all of these brachos of Asher Yatzar, of my body, my soul, my Torah learning, my hands being elevated to act for mitzvot and for Torah and all the things Hashem has given me, set me free and placed the earth upon the land and provided for all my needs and directed my footsteps. All of this, I'm saying, please, here's how I want to use it and because that's what you want me to do, right? So I'm asking Hashem to help me do that, and I'm also choosing into that. I'm reminding myself, this is what I want to do. I want to do Torah and mitzvot. That's, I, so I'm asking for help with that, but it's his will. It is my will, but it's also his will at the same time. All right. That choice is uh, several different sources in the Gemara, some of which are, it's actually, some of them are repeated more than once in different Masechdas, but Habala Tahir one who comes to make himself Tahor, will be helped. Right? Gemara says that. If you come to make yourself pure, you'll be helped. Hashem helps you. Less often, the high school teachers will mention Habali Tame one who comes to make himself tame. The doors open; they'll open the door for him, not the doors open. They'll open the door for him. Who's the they? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't look inside. Yeah, I don't. Mm, I wouldn't think, but I don't know. Okay, uh, the forces in the world—it's there. It's open. The option is there, but it's not just the option. You'll be helped, right? Which is often—that's Adam Leleh. Right? The way that a person wishes to go, he'll be helped. The path a person wants to go to, he'll be helped. A person who sanctifies himself a little. From heaven, he's sanctified a lot. Which is very encouraging. You know, I had a very long conversation. One of the many outcomes of what I was telling you about before about our trip. But one of them was an opportunity to spend three hours in the car with somebody. Um, and one of the things we talked about was the importance of small steps uh, and small commitments and small mitzvahs. And there's no such thing as a person who has sinned or is continuing to sin so much that they shouldn't think it's worthwhile, nonetheless, to do another mitzvah. So, you know, a person who's intermarried, it doesn't mean that they shouldn't be trying to keep Shabbos. Yet, do those things generally go side by side? Maybe not. But there's nothing to, not only is there nothing to stop a person, a person is mekadesh himself a little, they'll have help from heaven. In the end, we're never going to be perfect. So by definition, whatever we do, it's never going to be quite good enough, right? So we have to just try and do. And Hashem will help us. He'll fill in for us. He'll help us. He helps us with everything else, and he'll help us with that. A person is mekadesh himself from below, meaning... Uses his own effort. It's not just like God is feeding it to him, but he's like working and striving and struggling to be inspired or struggling to, in the case of Kedusha, it's usually hold back from something that's maybe his temptation, his taiva. Makdishinoso, sorry, makdishinoso milamala. Then from heaven, he'll be given more help and inspiration to sanctify himself. But Olamhaza in this world, Osolo lo'olamhaba. He'll be helped in the next world. All right. Let's move on from the Hiratsan part. Shitargi lenu secha, may it be your will. Shetargi lenu. So hergel is habit. Okay, a regel is a foot or a leg. So your regel is where you go. So hergel is where you're accustomed to going. It's like where your foot constantly goes. The paths you normally take. doesn't have to be the places you actually step to be here, girl. No way. So that's why I, I call that accustom your, us. Accustom us to Torah. Make it be that we're, like, basically used to going in the path of Torah. So it doesn't have to be as much of a struggle each time for that thing. Abu Darham says, what, where's this phrasing from? Because we know that, really, the phrasing of all the, of all the brachos is based on places in Tanakh. He says this is based on dovka Shiakha Recha in Samach Samhiemo. My soul clings behind you. Hadricheni binasiv mitzvosecha in Kofiotes. direct me on the path of your mitzvos. That's what this is saying. Targilinub Sora Sacha Vadapkenba saying, Hashem, help me so that I'm following you. <laughs> Strap me on. Right? Strap me on so that I'll be behind you. So the Gemara in Ksuvos, Kofit Aleph, asks, and it's a question that we should ask, V'chievsha Lidabek v'shechina? Can you stick to the shchina? I mean, it's kind of like, I don't know, you hear people throw this around, Dveikus and Lidobek and Dovkanavshi, like, how do you stick to the shchina? Shchina is purely spiritual, and post-it notes are purely physical, <laughs> right? So <laughs> how, how do you they stick? Help. They're amazing. Oh, my gosh. We went. We were at these cousins for Shabbos, and I open up. He has, like, a lot of reverse. I open up a rehearsal because we were having a conversation about challah, whatever. We open it up to look and see if we can find the source, and there's one of my Shabbos post-it note arrows in there. I was like, oh, my gosh. My son looks. He's like, oh, my goodness. It was like I was right at home, you know. It was the best feeling. In Alaska. In Alaska, in Anchorage. In their house, I was at home. For Hashem. The rest of Anchorage, I don't know. (laughs) It was very beautiful, very different, very whatever, but it's a nice place to visit, as they say. (laughs) Lidabik is it possible to stick to the Shrina? (laughs) Bito If you you can't stick to the Shrina. And this is a little bit similar to what we were just talking about before, about recognizing the covet of Hashem and the hand of Hashem in people's actions, right, in his messengers, is if you want to stick to the Shechina, the way you do it is by sticking to people who learn Torah. Because the Torah is God's word. That is God expressing his will. That's his presence in the world. So if you would prefer to marry a Talmud Chacham, to marry your children to a Talmud Chacham. Now, it's, that's not like, oh, because then you'll have a more prestigious match. That's not what this Gemara is saying, right? The times of the Gemara wasn't necessarily the most prestigious matches. Talmud Dei Chacham were mostly poor. Not all of them, right? But the more time you're going to spend learning, the less time you're going to spend plowing. Like, in the end, there's some kind of balance you have to strike, which is the subject of... Um, actually, we'll, we'll get to that around Shema, like the whole argument between uh, Rabbi and Bar Yochai, Right. Should a person spend all his time learning? Or like all the other Chachamim said, no, you should make sure you have food to eat and a parnasa and learn. Okay, So that argument and how do you, how do you walk a line on that. Um, but if you would see that, other people don't see that as a better match. You see that as a better match. You would like to be close to Tamid chachamim If you can do business, if you can buy from somebody and there are two stores and one of them is owned by a Talmud Chacham, and you could choose to go to that store. You want to do business with someone who's, who's connected to Torah. You want to marry, you know, you want to be connected to people who are busy in Torah. Connect yourself to people who are busy in Torah. That's how you can connect yourself to the Shechina. It's interesting, it's like, it all follows together. It really all follows together, all right? Doesn't mean people are perfect. Okay, let just give you a little, there's a statement, I, didn't, I don't have it in front of me. It's in, um, I'm thinking it's in Malachi, but it could be because it has the word Malach. I could be just tricking, it could be a trick of my mind. Um, there's a pasuk that says that if, if a person appears to you as a Malach, you should seek to learn Torah from him. Okay, this is like how you choose a Rebbe. If he seems to you to be a Malach, try and learn from him. Now, there's two ways that could play out, and I think that the most common way is the dangerous way. Which is, oh, this person is divine. This person is so perfect. This person is so brilliant. Therefore, I will seek to learn from him. And then, when I discover that he's fallible, or says something that hurts me, or uh, posks in something, or or gives me advice and I follow it, you know, completely because he's the rabbi, and then things don't work out the way that I hope they would work out. And then it's like, oh, forget it, never mind. He must be nothing. Okay, Uh, you may, hopefully you've never experienced that yourself, but you may know other people who have. Okay. It's my belief that that's not what that puzzle means, that what it means is that the person appears to you like a Malach because you know they're human. If you know what it's like to be human yourself, you know what it's like when you're tired at the end of the day and you want to listen to something and space out, and what it would take for you to consistently pick a shear instead or to consistently, right, get up in the morning early and get dressed when your kids are like busy getting out and go to a shear instead of sitting on the sofa and getting a, a slower start, you know, being at the kitchen table still in your robe and slippers and having your, your newspaper and your cup of coffee. That's also an option and it's legitimate, right? There's nothing forbidden about that, right? But you know what it would take to instead get up and go to a show, or get up and go to a shear. Okay? You know how often you slip up. It's easy because we forget. How often do we slip up? Do we speak sharply or critically to our kids, to our spouses, right? And then you look at somebody who's also human, and somehow they're managing to make all these choices over and over again, right? right? And you see, see patience. And you see care and places where you would like to, you know, right? When the poor person comes and you look at the person next to you and they're like all giving them time and attention and you're just like, oh my gosh, it smells. Can I get out of here? Right? And you look at the other person and then you think that person is a malach. How do they do that? The difference is, do you start by saying this person is divine malach and now bump, oh, they're just human? Or do you start with this person is human? How did they do that? How do you do that if you're human? Okay, that's who you want to learn Torah from. That's, in my opinion, that's what that Pesach is teaching you. Okay, that that's what it means that you're supposed to seek to learn from someone who appears to you a malach.
1: What? What's the Pesach?
0: It's ki malach. I should, you probably know it.
1: <sighs>
0: yeah. No no,
1: no. no, I'm like, oh, I'm okay. sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure
0: you do. Okay, let's see. If I put in ki. See what we get here. If there's going to be 50 sources, I'm not going to look it up for you. Oh, it's wonderful. It's oh, the most okay. useful thing. I can't believe anyone could live without it. Mm-hmm. How do you, It's called Tanakh. Very, it, you just search, like whatever it is. Okay, but it's, I've got to start from the end. It's not going to be. Here it is. Okay, here it is. Sorry. Okay, see, I totally, I totally quoted it wrong. I totally quoted it wrong. I'm glad we looked it up. Thank you for asking. <laughs> it is in Malachi, however. So I went on that point. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Malachi Bez Zion. Malachi Perik 27. Kisifse Das. The lips of the Kohen are the guardians of knowledge. Visora and Torah, Yivakshumi Pihu, you shall seek from his mouth. Hashem Because he is a malach of Hashem. Okay, the simple meaning of that is he is a messenger from Hashem. A malach means a messenger of divine. Course, right? God sends out his emissaries, but this this is the, the very common interpretation: is how do you choose who to learn Torah from? You choose to learn it from one who appears to you like a malach. And what I added to that was, which direction you think he's a malach? From knowing that he's a kohen, from knowing he's a human, and then you say, oh my gosh, this person is a malach, or is it that you start by saying he's a malach and then, bump, you find out, oh well, he sinned; he's just one of us. Okay. And it's amazing how it's the two same ingredients, and one direction leads you to deep respect. And one is the Yetzirah to be able to write other people off. It's not a difference in what the other person did. It's
1: so hard. It's it's such a hard...
0: um... It's hard. It can be hard. It depends. It's a reframing, so if you're looking at it one way, it's a big project to change how you're thinking about it. But it's not like actually more work.
1: correctly. Like, something may appear a certain way, but we don't really always know.
0: Right. So there's there's halachos. There's actually halachos. If the person's a Talmud Chacham, and he does something wrong, you're supposed to assume he had a good reason and it was really right. And if it was clearly against the halacha wrong, <laughs> and, like, clearly a sin, which, again, like, probably you just have to assume that it was really right, then you have to assume that if it's already overnight, since you saw it, he probably did chuva for it by now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay? But you can only... So people hear that and they get, like, cynical. But if you know somebody who's like that, you know somebody who's so good, right, and who's so incredible. Yeah, of course they're human. But look how they, like, look what they do despite that. Mm -hmm. Then that's not a stretch at all. That they regretted it as soon as it came out of their mouth. Mm -hmm. Or that once they had a chance to go to sleep and, like, all the pressure of the day is, like, kind of fading, that they said, oh, my gosh, how am I ever going to, you know, deal with that? It's not, so, it's not so outrageous. All right, got to move. Okay, so we were talking about the Gemara and Ksuvos. How do you cling to the Shechina? You do that by clinging to de Chachamim. And the Pasuk, the Pasuk treats that as if you were clinging to the Shechina. Now, you don't get better testimony than that. When you stand before the heavenly court to have the Torah testifying on your behalf, and saying, uh, the Torah stands up and says, sorry, I'm poskining that she was clinging to the Srina at that moment. So you're good. Okay, that, that's your best testimony of all. Because connecting to the Srina is achieved by connecting to Torah. Connecting to the is achieved by connecting to Torah. So we learn Torah, we seek out Torah, and we seek out people who learn and teach Torah and live Torah. That's how you connect to the Srina. Okay, the Ramban says, Kind of also on this topic in Dvarim Yud Aleph, Chaf on the words uladav kabo, that you should cling to God. Okay, same topic, right? We could say it means to love Hashem and to walk in his ways until the time when we will merit to cling to him in the end. Meaning we cling to God in that our souls will cling to him in the next world, in our next stage of life. Mm -hmm. And the way we get there is the process of here walking in his ways. It's a path walking toward him, but the actual sticking, (laughs) the clinging, is farther down the line. One second. And it is possible, he says, ye it may be, that this 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 sticking to God, includes the concept Of saying that a person is constantly remembering God's presence in his life and God's chesed to him all the time, and if that is constantly in a person's mind, right? You should love Hashem your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might, and these words of loving God that I am saying to you. I'm commanding you today, you should teach to your children, and you should speak about them when you're getting up and when you're going to sleep, and you should tie them onto your body, and you should stick them onto your doorposts. Your whole life should be surrounded by this thought of the love of God, that he is there, and that he loves you, and that he is doing good for you. And when you do that, you're clinging to the Shekhinah. Does the clinging... You're clinging to the Shekhinah as the human body... um, affect how it's going to be after death. Yes. And for that, is, that is the benefit of having the human body. So I was just thinking about when somebody right. passes away, and you and we say, you know, you know they, can only do, they can't do any more mitzvot anymore. Right. And right. That it's, it is a scary it. thought. It is. It's a scary thought. In this world, we're holchim, we're goers. We can progress, and in the next world, we're omdim, like malachim, we're standing. But you don't go anywhere when you're standing. But that's why we do mitzvahs as ilui neshama, an elevation for the soul of someone. Because if I do something only because of that person, I do it because that person lived. I do it because that person's important to me. I do it because some, maybe I'm not thinking about them, but what if I'm doing something that I was taught by that person that's a mitzvah? or a piece of Torah that I was taught by that person, right? A halacha. If somebody taught me a halacha, and now I'm doing it right, that person is accruing merit in the next world, even after they're gone, through those who live behind them. Right? When we say Kaddish, what? you ever notice, I'm sure you've heard this question, how come Kaddish doesn't say anything about the person who passed on? If we're saying it for someone who's passed on? Because what is Kaddish? Yizgadav is shmei rabah, may God's name be made greater in the world. That is what we're here for. That's what it's all about. And when I say that, and I'm saying it because of somebody who's passed on, so who gets the credit? I mean, I, I, I certainly get credit for my mitzvah, it doesn't take away, there's enough, there's enough to go around, okay? I get credit for my mitzvah. But this person also gets credit, and that's the ultimate credit to declare in public that there is a God and we want his name to be made great. That is a zechus for the person. So while it is true that a person after their death says that their lips keep moving in the grave, that's not meant to be like some kind of creepy, spooky, lips are moving in the grave. I don't think that's what it means, that their lips are physically moving. What it means is they keep teaching and talking after they die, why? Because we hear it in our mind, we remember what they taught us. That's what it means. That's, that's what it means okay? that, that's, what we try, that's the biggest thing we can do for somebody right? That's learning Mishnayis For someone who's passed away the, word, the letters of the word Mishnah Are the same letters of the word Neshama That really goes to what we talked about On Hanukkah, the word Shmonah It's also the same letters yeah? it, It's that which transitions from the physical Into the spiritual right? Remember the, the oil and that goes into the energy And becomes the light right? That's Mishnah also That's Neshama Okay, that it, it, through that, through that process of learning and teaching and doing mitzvahs and either in honor of the person and their merit or because of the person, so then we're, we're doing for them. We're actually doing for them. That is the biggest chesed you could do for somebody, is to help somebody when they can't help themselves. But people are in a good place. You know, it's true we can change it and add for them, but they're already somewhere good. God doesn't create us for the purpose of giving us something not good. Okay. Masha'llah Adam, the Yalkut says. I saw this in the Yalkut. I don't remember where the original source is, but it's in the Yalkut Shimoni at the end of Parsha Shlach by the Tzitzis. Masha'llah Adam shahayamushlach Mushlach And uh, depending on what your life has thrown you, you may have been this person who was tossed into the ocean. A person on a boat and goes overboard. You may have felt that yourself. Hoshit lo I, this one always gives me like a giggle because to me, kabarnit is the first of it. When you go on, a, on an Elal flight, right? Like, in the name of the captain and the kabarnit and all of the tsevet, we thank you for God. The kabarnit is like the, like the first mate. But in, on, on Elal, it means like the head of the steward and stewardess team is the kabarnit. But over here, it means the first mate. The, the first mate throws over to the person a rope Right? He throws out a life rope, Amar um, Lohan, says to him, Tfos bayadayim ve'al tanichehu. Grab the rope in your hands and don't let go. Im tanichehu ein l'chachayim. If you let go, you have no hope to live. Okay, now stop and think. Maybe the ideal is, can you climb hand over hand, holding this rope and get back in the boat. But you know what, even if you can't, even if you can't get yourself any higher, you have no strength to go higher. As long as you hang on, you'll live. Eventually, that ship will get to shore and you will be still hanging on to it. As long as you don't let go. Avkach, Amar Hakadosh Bar Hu L'Yisrael. Also here, the Holy One, Blessed Be He, says to Yisrael, "B'nae, my children, Kulzman shatem medubakim mitzvos. As long as you are clinging to mitzvos, hold on tight to mitzvos. Atem chayim, you'll be alive." As the pasuk says, "Vatem hadvekim ba'ashem alokechem chayim kulchem hayom. You who are clinging to Hashem, you're alive today." Tvekas b'mitzvos, he tve Clinging to mitzvos, that's clinging to God. Okay? As long as you can hang on. Maybe it's true. Maybe you can't climb any higher for whatever reason. Maybe because, not that you're weak, but maybe you're strong, and all of your energy is going to the waves. There's one thing we saw in Alaska driving down the Seward Highway. I have never seen such choppy ocean water. I've never seen anything like it. And it wasn't a stormy day. It was a nice day. Unbelievable. Okay, so maybe it depends what water you've been thrown into. You're on a boat in, like, some quiet reservoir, you know, in Balboa Park, so you'll climb back out. But somebody who's in a really choppy ocean, maybe all their energy is going to go into just breathing and holding on to the rope. So it's not really even necessarily a judgment on a person's strength. It's also the situation we're thrown into. It's keeping on struggling. Just hang on to the rope. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think what you, the, the Ramban that you quoted is so powerful because what he said is that basically all you, if you if you can remember the gratitude that you have for everything yes. that you have and that that you're being held by someone who loves you, then that'll just take you through. You don't even have to do the next step. Right. It's the, the it'll bring you to the next step right.
1: somehow. You've clung to God by I, realizing he's clinging God. to
0: you in a sense. A that he is right Ramban. there. It's a very powerful Ramban. Did I give you the pasta? Oh. Your Alif is in Deborah. It's a very powerful robot. It's a separate topic, really. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's a very, very a big topic. Life. How do you do that? But
1: it's also reflects but. the power of women as mothers, who can give their kids so
0: much without a lot of information, actually, or a lot of knowledge of specific right. information or knowing things. Right. Just if you can give over that feeling. That, of that. wow! Look what Hashem did. That's the basis of everything. It's really everything. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, I was actually thanking her. We could stop. (laughs) I could go five more minutes because we started late. (laughs) If you're good. I know. I feel bad we started late. Okay. I'm going to do one more little piece just because I feel badly that we don't, if we don't fill in all of it. The Al Tavienu, and do not bring us lowly dechait, not into sin the de avera, not into sin, the avon and sin. Yeah. All right. So what's the difference? So for one thing, chait means a sin that is usually we say by accident, like besoge. It doesn't really mean by accident. It means negligent. Sad to break your break your heart. But when you do something beshogeg, it doesn't mean it's really by accident. It means it's negligent. So, what does that mean? It means it's accidental, not intentional, but if you had thought about it in advance, you could have been more careful, okay? There is another kind of thing which is not listed here, that's onus, that's p- truly accidental. Someone bumps into you, knocks you over, and you knock over somebody else's vase and it breaks. That's onus, you, there was nothing, there was no will there, there was no, it was purely imposed on you from the outside. If when you're running down, you, you know, you're know you running down the aisle and you bump into it, it was accidental, you didn't mean to break it, but you could have been more careful. And maybe the next time you will be more careful. Okay, and Aveira is, the this is a definition, the are Hara winning over your are Tov, which we'll talk about more a different day. But there's horror, meaning you're horrified with yourself that you gave into it. It's not what you wanted. But you did it anyway. You were overcome. Avon is bemazed on purpose. You knew it was wrong. You don't really care. God forbid. And of course, you've heard before Gamaran and Yuma, Ravhuna, Kivan Sha'avar Adam Vashanava, Nase Slo Hutra. A person who does an avira and does it a few times, it starts to seem okay to him. That that sense of, oh my gosh, what have I done, doesn't last forever, right? You do it again, you do it again. Once it's been repeated, it seems okay. So let's just look back and see that what we started with was targi lenu accustom us, habituate us to Torah and clinging to mitzvos, the al and don't bring us to chait, which sort of stands on its own because that's the beshogeg like you really didn't mean to do it, Viloli de rave avon, And also, right? It's, it's which way am I going to accustom myself? Mm-hmm. And that makes it be staged, okay? And next week in Mirza we will continue. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so, uh, good uh, things, I hope. That is good. I was a little tiring. You're going back and forth a few Twice? Just a times. Tw- like,
1: just for an example yes I'll throw out an example so I have a friend visiting me and she's very intense like she's set in her mind that she's gonna be making Aliyah this summer that's it like her mind is made up that's all she sees that's all she thinks about and her husband is like it's causing a lot of tension and she thinks, like, this is the right thing. I am sure this is the right thing. I feel it in the air. When I'm in Eretz Israel, I, I know that this is where we need to be. And it needs to be, it's now. Like, she feels like
0: this, right.
1: like it has it to be can be painful
0: to watch that when you you look at that and you think, ooh, but, yeah.
1: And her husband is, like, saying, but I need a job. Like, I need to have, you know, I need to provide for my family. I need to make sure, like, my, and it's and, like, here she is, like, Yes, this is, like, so important, and it's, like, it's, she thinks she's doing the right
0: thing. They're both right. It's not as wrong as it sounds. A woman has the right to demand that she wants to move to Israel, and a husband's not allowed to say no. He could divorce her to let her go so that she's free to go. I'm saying, but he's not allowed to say, no, you have to listen to me. I'm the husband, and we're staying here. Believe it or not. It's very unusual, but that is, in fact, the halacha, as I know it. I'm not a possek; I couldn't pass it on uh-huh. any case. But I could tell you there's such a principle in the halacha. Wow! So just I I, know I'm I'm throwing. Halacha, yeah, no, I'm, I'm saying, not saying I'm not telling you that to share it with her because I don't know the no, details no, of no, the halacha. I'm, I'm telling just saying, you just to give you a little bit of a like ability to step back and realize like there's more to what she's saying that might be the eye. she may have more justice on her side than it at first appears. But I'm not, not saying I would encourage that. Problem
1: them. in bias. Like, uh, like
0: I don't know. According to that halacha, so. She would be entitled to say, "Give me a divorce. I'm going," and I still get my ksuba. I didn't do anything wrong by insisting I'm going to Israel. I- I'm not suggesting she should do that. Right? We don't that. want that. What we want to do that. is help her to hold her marriage together and get Absolutely. through this. I'm just saying, there's a lot there. Look, I'm just saying, like Absolutely. she obviously she's we doing do the right thing air, and she's right. intent
1: on it. But at the same time, if your husband feels you like would, he's not, you would not think that that's yet. not
0: quite the right way to do it. I don't know their situation. I just don't know.
1: I'm just throwing that as an example because in my mind. We get in these
0: situations where we we are so set on what our will is. Now, sometimes it really is that we're sensing God's will. Sometimes, though, our test can be, you know, we all do it maybe on a smaller scale, right? I don't want to miss this year, so honey, you're going to have to take the kids to school today because they're not ready. Have we never done that? You know what I mean? Even if we never quite made off to Israel, you know, or um, this wedding that I'm going to go to, so you're going to have to make dinner, or, you know, maybe he just wants you home for company, right? I'm just saying, like, just throwing out examples without much time to think about it, like times where we ourselves have said, well, I think this, I I just poskin for myself that this mitzvah overrides my mitzvahs and my relationship with my husband. And I think... It's not so unusual for us to do that, just maybe on not such a grand scale as saying we're making Aliyah, but we do it on other scales. What things we think we need to buy, or how much we need to spend on a Simcha, or how much we need to spend on presents for people. I'm saying there are, right? right? So it's a difficult. It's is uh,
1: like in alignment with.
0: I don't know. Having a sheet is always a little scary.
1: Or, or just. I'm I'm serious.
0: I'm serious. It's a little scary. There is a degree to which we have to roll with the waves. We have to look and see, you know, I, I'm, I'm on this rope. I need to hang on to the rope. What we have, it, it's taking a breath. You know, when, when I have like what you're describing this kind of like, even with the hands in the air, right? Like this is how it's going to be and pushing. It's a pushing forward. It's a being mashbia. I'm pushing out and influencing. The way to try and listen out for Ratzon Hashem is to stop pushing out and talking and to take a deep breath and try and listen. And listen for the clues that are telling you what God wants you to do. You don't always know for sure, but the only way you can know that you did your best is to try and listen. And that means, let me stop and see. First of all, what are the halachic issues? If I want to know God's will, let me first look at the halacha, which is telling me what God's will is. God is all-knowledgeable. He took into account, in all of the halachos, my personal situation today. What is he telling me he wants me to do? That's step one. Sometimes that just clarifies it. Sometimes it doesn't. Okay? And then I listen. I ask a shayla. I I talk to people, right? I I say, like, let me get some outside opinion. It might be a rav, it might be a friend, it might be a mentor, it might be a parent, a sibling, and say, you know, I know that every person sits in their own blind spot, so I'm asking you to tell me. How does this look to you? In the end, it's my own choice. I can't absolve myself by saying, oh, well, the rabbi said this, right? I gotta, but I have to hear. Okay, if the rabbi told me this is the halacha, maybe I just gotta do it, right? But even when you ask a Shiloh, I hate to say this on the record, but even when you ask a Shiloh, if something really doesn't sit right, you have to speak up to the Rav, not to say he's wrong, but to say, this is really not sitting right. Can you explain to me why it is the way you just said it? I can't put my finger on the source now, but I know that Rabbi Goldberg brought it in one of his shirim a year or two ago. It was a Rabbeinu Yonah that talked about a Talmud, that a Talmud has an obligation sometimes to speak up and say, I don't understand, explain to me it's not our way to just say, oh, that's how it was, and therefore I I have some kind of blind faith. That's not necessary. Because you may have left something out, okay? I I know a couple cases like this. Somebody who asked a Shila, their doctor told them that if they smoke, um, it would be good for their health. They had a particular disease. There was no known cure. It's not marijuana. Just smoking would probably improve it. It might be bad for them in the long run, right? Could be in 20 years they'll have lung cancer. On the other hand, they have a problem right now that could kill them. So it could be for them that was a good trade-off. Wow. This person, but the, ra- the doctor wasn't exactly recommending it, but they were saying it is, you know, it could be. People do get relief from that. So they went to ask a rabbi, and the rabbi said, look, if that's what the doctor said, then it sounds like it's a good idea. And then the person happened to mention, by the way, they had once had a lung problem, you know, years before. And the rabbi was like, I mean, I saw him. He was shaking. He was like, you left out. Very a very important piece of information, right? Okay. Again, this is this is recognizing that a rav is human, but what he's but he's clinging to Torah, he's clinging to Shechina, Okay. He knows more Torah than I do. But if something doesn't sit right, it would be wise to say, "Could you explain that to me?" Because maybe when he explains it, you'll say, "Oh, you know what? I realized I didn't ask you the right question, or I didn't provide the right information for you." to be able to advise me. Maybe the advice stays the same. Maybe it doesn't stay the same. Like, you know, so there's an art to asking advice as well. And to whom? And many, many post-skim. Yeah, many, po- well, obviously you want to ask someone who knows better than you. Many post-skim will only answer the question they are asked, which means that if you haven't figured out what your question is correctly, you may get an answer that doesn't actually advise you. It's true. And that's not their problem. That's your problem. It's,
1: it's very difficult. Uh, but it's
0: you. I'm saying you need, you know, so it requires thinking. We have, God wants us to think. He gave us minds. We've got to think. And that's part of our process of getting close to him. That doesn't mean we don't ask. Of Obviously we ask. How will I know the halacha? I don't know, I don't know the halacha. I can read books about halacha and try and get a sense of what the halachic issues are so I know what to ask. I could ask better questions. But I don't know. Now there's times when I've had to be the Ravan Paskin okay, when I landed up with a sick relative in the hospital on Shabbos in a city where there's not even a Jewish chaplain, you know, and we're just nowhere, and the only way to paskin is using a booklet that happens to be available to me that's not even on exactly this topic on the roof. I am the most educated person in halacha in the city. Okay, so then I'll paskin, yeah? But the second I can find someone else to talk to, it's going to be... Another class, right? I'm saying, yes. we're, not, we're not trying to pass for ourselves. We're trying to get close to God. So I got to listen. And I have to also look around. I have, to, I have to, like, take a breath and receive. Not only broadcast, also receive. Say, honey, what do you think? <laughs> Ask your husband, what do you think? By the way, he might actually be willing. <laughs> just a little slower. Just a little, you know, I don't know. Is my job to try and get one more handhold up the rope? Maybe. Is my job to fight the waves? Maybe. I don't know. We go through different phases in life. You know, you have little children. Your job is to hang on to the rope. <laughs> <laughs> You're waking up every two and a half to three hours. What exactly were you, like, that's not your job. You, the situation God put you in tells you what your job is. Already he tells you what your job is. So, but you have to stop and breathe, right? Because women can get frustrated by that too. I want to be growing in my career or I wanted to stay in seminary or I wanted to learn and I can and there isn't time and whatever. And Be'ezer Zashem, you know, we're not all Zochet, but Be'ezer Hashem, there's other phases in life. And it's all, you know, the stormy seas might get calmer or shallower or warmer or colder. A little In the end, our actions are very small and they last forever. And it can't, we can't get hung up on the fact that they're not as big as we want them to be. Mm-hmm. If they're right, if a person, you make yourself holy a little, God will make you kadosh a lot. No matter what I do, it's not going to be everything. No matter what I do, it's not going to be perfect. What it can be is as perfect as I can make it. I can make my thoughts and my desires pure, absolutely perfectly pure. It's hard, but I can work on that. The actions, okay, so anything smaller than perfection is going to be imperfect. So maybe instead of worrying about the size of it, I should worry about hanging on to it. And let God take care of the size and the achievement. Anyway. All right. See you next week, Baz or Thank you. Wow. It's very tricky, though,
1: when you're in a hospital, what you should be asking. Right. Because...
0: Right. You so you know. can always start with that. You can always say to a rav, "I'm not really sure what I should be asking." Yeah, I was, uh, right. Let's get we have to get real a little yes, bit. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure what. Maybe he'll say, "Okay, here are the issues." L- look, the rav also some rabbanim are amazing in knowing halacha, and they're not amazing at understanding people. Guess what? I'm also not so amazing at understanding people. Uh, do I take that out on him? Come on, right? Some rabbanim are amazing at understanding people and don't know the halacha so much. And occasionally, you get a, a gift. You get both. Okay, but like you said, and what if the only person you could reach because of the time zone or because of the... Circumstances, you, you whatever, but the muzzle
1: of it. you know? Do the best we can.
0: We aim for perfection of intention and thought. And then what we'll catch is some degree of imperfection of action.
1: Because we're beautifully flawed
0: we beautifully flawed. That's all part of the struggle. Baruch Hashem. He knows what he's doing.